Sports, live from the Bone and Joint Institute, powered by BetMGM. I'm Austin Stanley. He is Jack Gentry in for Zach Bingham today. Make sure you follow us all over social media. We're Nashville's on-demand sports talk network, and we go live every weekday morning at 8 Central Time on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch. Also hit us up on Twitter where we've got those YouTube links going out, and also Instagram and TikTok. Got to thank our sponsors because they make everything happen for our show, and they help out you guys uh, as uh, we continue to grow. Renters Warehouse Nashville, the professional landlords in the area at RentersWarehouse.com. Wilson County Hyundai, make them a part of your car buying process by simply going to WilsonCountyHyundai.com or seeing them in Lebanon, the Bone and Joint Institute, where we are this morning in Franklin, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. Check them out at BoneAndJointTN.org. And Farm Bureau Health Plans, get better with Farm Bureau Health Plans. Better coverage, better rates, better service. Learn more about a plan for you at FBHP.com slash A-T-O-Z. So, Jack, you have not talked publicly yet. The Titan no. Up podcast records Tuesday afternoon mm-hmm. to come out Wednesday at midnight. So you have said nothing about the Titans playoff loss on the air. You were with us at the main yeah, stay yeah. all season long and at Mill Creek Brewery all season long. How are you feeling, Jack Gentry, on this Tuesday morning? Nothing publicly, I've said. Nothing publicly. But I've been talking about it for the last few days, just like everybody in here I'm sure has. How am I feeling? Uh, not great. The Titans should still be alive. There's a lot of – it's It's not the fact that they lost. It's the way that they lost. It was just so painful. And the thing is, over the AFC Divisional – I mean, not even the AFC, the Divisional um, round – Throughout the you know both sides of the uh, of the mm-hmm. NFL, the Titans suffered a very painful loss. But in the grand scheme of things, that was about the the, the third mo- or least painful of all the losses. Green Bay had a tough one, a blocked punt, and then you have um, the Bills who score a touchdown to go up three with 13 seconds left. Mahomes needs three plays; he gets them in field goal range, wins the coin toss, which I I still think the NFL needs to look at overtime rules, and they they end up winning. But, yeah, obviously I'm not feeling great. Um, those who listen to the Tighten Up podcast know that I'm, uh, I'm a little down. I'm going to need you guys to lift me up today. But, um, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Everybody's got their opinion on what should happen in the offseason with Ryan Tannehill and with Todd Downing. Maybe, maybe it's a pack and deal, right? But um, I, don't, I don't think it's as simple as that. We're going to get into it. No, yeah, and I said yesterday on the show that uh, both – Todd Downing and Ryan Tannehill can't be back. And when I say both, uh, that's the, the fact is they both cannot be back. Uh, that's what I said before Mike Grable talked yesterday. Uh, and then I think the only way you can bring Ryan Tannehill back is if you have a new offensive coordinator doing something different, being better with the offensive game plan. And we went over this a lot yesterday, Jack, where I broke down who to blame on Ryan Tannehill's three interceptions. There was a lot of Todd Downing issues with the interceptions, not having uh, a, a backside vertical route to hold Jesse Bates in the center yeah. on play number one, uh, running the same RPO bubble action to Chester Rogers out of the same formation, same motion twice in the game where Mike Hilton registered on the corner blitz the first time and then picked it off on the corner blitz the second time because he's a smart player. <clears throat> and then Ryan Tannehill was to blame for the third one because he forced it to NWI, your guy, down the field on third and five there at the end. But then Mike Vrabel goes and is asked about Todd Downing in his press conference yesterday to wrap up the season. 
to Jack. Ben Arthur of the Tennessee and asked the question. We're going to hear it and hear uh, what Mike Vrabel said about Todd Downing when he was asked, how do you assess Todd Downing's job as play caller this season? Here's Mike Vrabel. That's the season that uh, Todd Downing had for you guys as offensive play caller. I think Todd does a great job. I think he's a great. I think he's a great coach. I think he's a hard worker. You know, and um, you know there were there's always going to be calls you'd like to have back. There's plays you'd like to have back. Um, but but I don't evaluate things. Um, you know, I try to try to see how guys communicate with each other. The players. Um, are we all on the same page? Is there you know, good communication? How do we do on third down? How are we doing in the red zone? And you know, things have to be better in all three phases each and every year. But um, you know, I, I I love the relationship that Todd has with the assistant coaches and the players, and you know, we'll all continue to improve. What, what about in terms of uh, the relationship with Ryan? Do you think that Ryan has suffered at all losing Arthur and going to Todd this year? Arthur coaches for the Falcons. Right, I'm about the transition from Arthur to Todd, though. Do you feel like there's any? Diminishing effect at all. No. So there's Mike Vrabel, Jack, uh, answering the yeah. question about Todd Downing. And then uh, Arthur Smith, he coached Arthur coaches for the Falcons. The way Vrabel said that made me laugh, but also saying that Ryan Tannehill did not regress because of the OC change. I disagree with that. I'm sure a lot of people disagree with that. But Jack, what, was, what were your thoughts on Vrabel saying how great of a coach uh, Todd Downing is. He's a hard worker, yeah. and he likes a relationship with his players. Rabel's very protective over his hires. We've kind of figured that out as we went. Last year, it was kind of a similar situation with Shane Bowen, although he wasn't necessarily given the title as defensive coordinator. Sure. This was different because Todd Downing, everyone knew it was his offense, right? Uh, um, you promote from within with Downing. He's familiar with the players, familiar with their strengths, familiar with their weaknesses. And – Yet this season we see situational shortcomings on third and short, fourth and short, whatever it may be, the red zone play calling. Um, a, a great example was, you know, you run it four times for 66 yards on that one drive in the second half, and then you call a screen pass to Chester Rogers at the 10-yard line. Uh, that ends up in Mike Hilton making a great play. Um, and, and, you know, that, that was a huge turning point in the football game. But – to hear Vrabel say that, and it's about relationships. He, you know, he gets in there, he works hard. That's that's the Vrabel way, right? Get yes. in early, stay late, build relationships with your guys, and you know, uh, and, and hope to see some so, some success on the football field. But right. that that's where they came up short. I, Vrabel doesn't mince words because he really is very careful about, about what he says. And, and this is just not with Downing, but this has been with Bowen last season. We know how many hoops. He had to jump through and hurdles. He had to jump over just to kind of protect Shane Bowen. And I, I think we're going to see a lot of the same this offseason. Look, it was Downing's first year. It's hard for him. He was his first year, first as, year as play caller here, but his third year overall yeah. on the coaching staff because he was a tight ends coach for two years when Arthur Smith was elevated to OC. I know, it, but, it, but it's his first year calling the plays because you had Arthur Smith who, I mean – you you can call him out for what happened against the Ravens, at the, you know, last yeah. season in the playoffs. But I, I think there's big differences between Art and Downing, and we we saw that really consistently throughout the year. And Downing's going to get the benefit of the doubt because you know what, he didn't have all his stars there all season long. Henry went out week eight. Julio was in and out of the lineup. AJ had a stint on IR. 
uh, Saffold, Belon, Nate Davis, you name it, all those guys went down at some point this season. Right, yeah. And, and uh, to me, it's hard to see Vrabel getting rid of Downing after just one season. You think so? I think it's hard to see that. You've but, got to, man. Like, But, but it, the thing is, it may not be Vrabel's call. This it's got, could, why wouldn't it be? Well, this could go up to John Robinson. Well, if John Robinson doesn't want all the stars that he's got on offense looking bad because of a play call, no, I, yeah. if there's one guy who wants Todd Downing out of here, it should be John Robinson because you trade a, a second-round pick and you get $15 million to Julio Jones, and I get the availability issues, but the offense drops considerably in points per game, and, and, and they only had 17 points on the opening drive in 18 games the entire season. I mean, that's unacceptable. They turned the ball over at a much higher rate. And let's go to this, because I saw this from uh, Army Vet on Twitter who tweeted this out, and it's already to get a lot of play. It was Todd Downing back in Oakland when the Raiders, when he was the offensive coordinator for the Raiders for a year. Here is their before and after stats with before Todd Downing as play caller and with Todd Downing as play caller. And look, you can't take all of these stats and blame Todd Downing completely because there's a lot of nuance and context that goes into the season. And, you know, you know, obviously, I don't think any of us watching the show right now are experts in the 2017 Raiders. So, fourth <laughs> down conversion before Downing, 46.2% for the Raiders. With Downing, 33.8%. So, it drops 7%. David Carr, 3,900 yards before Todd Downing, 28 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. With Downing, 500 yards less. Six less touchdowns, seven more interceptions. Yards per play before downing, 5.7. Yards per play with downing, 5.4. Nothing that much there. Offensive points per game, with offensive points per game, not total points, offensive points per game, meaning field goals are wiped out. 17 offensive points per game before downing, 13.5 with downing. Sixth in the NFL in total yards before downing, 17th in total yards with downing and then uh, 10th in the NFL in points per drive before and 21st in the NFL in points per drive with Todd Downing. So the Raiders from 2016 to 17, a drastic drop off with Todd Downing as the play caller. And you look at the Titans, 2020 Titans, top five offense to super average middle of the road offense in 2021 with Todd Downing. Granted, they had the most injured roster in yeah. NFL history, but the stats are the stats, it's, and it's two franchises uh, and with four years in between for Todd the Downing. The sample size is fine at this stage. We kind of know what Todd Downing is as an offensive coordinator and yes. as a play caller. Brock brings, up, Brock brings up a great point. Derek Carr was on his way out of the league with Downing. Kid looks pretty solid now. Remember, they brought in Marcus Mariota to push him, and it wasn't necessarily – you know, Derek Carr is our starter, and that's it. It's, all right, maybe Mariota can challenge for this job in the offseason when they had originally brought him in. But, it, yeah, it, you, you know who Downing is at this point. And while I don't necessarily agree that he should be back next next year, mm-hmm. I, I, I do think that the, the writing's kind of on the wall. He's I believe Vrabel's going to bring him back. You but, think Vrabel's going to bring him back? I do, and I don't I don't uh, believe I, it's the right call. Okay, I don't think right. it's the right all call. All right, so let's, so let's get to this because I, I want to – Get more uh, of the co- uh, viewers involved here with the comment section. A to Z Sports Live here from the Bone and Joint Institute. So let's ask this question. Um, one, do you think Todd Downing will be back? And we'll play the Mike Vrabel audio again. Do you think Todd Downing will be back with the Titans? And we'll play the audio 
again here in a, in a second. But first, let me tell you guys about the Bone and Joint Institute. That's where we're at this morning here in Franklin at their main campus, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. Whenever an injury happens to you in life or someone you love, someone you care about, know who to go to, know who to trust. They have a doctor here, a surgeon here who specializes in any joint injury, also state-of-the-art rehab facility right here on campus too. Also, satellite clinics in Brentwood, Thompson Station, and Nolansville as well. Boneandjointtn.org. Download the BetMGM app, guys, today. It's the easiest sportsbook app to navigate that you'll find. We've got a promo code for you guys to take advantage of as well. Use code A to Z200. This is for new users, A to Z200. You place a $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA team in action tonight. And if one three-pointer is made in that game, remember, either team can hit a three-pointer. As long as that happens in the game, you'll turn that $10 on the money line that you had into $200. $10 money line wager wins $200 when either NBA team hits a three-pointer tonight. Make sure to use that promo code A to Z200, A-T-O-Z200. Take advantage of it after the show. If you don't have the BetMG app, I don't know what you're doing. Go ahead and download it now. $10 money line wager turns to $200 when either team hits a three-pointer in the NBA tonight. All right, so we'll play the video here in a second. Uh, so will Todd Downing be back? We've got a lot of fire Todd Downing. Kai says, unfortunately, he'll be back because Vrabel doesn't fire anyone. Now, there was a report this morning, Jack, from Brent Doherty that Jim Hazlitt could be out as Titans linebacker coach, yeah. right? So Change is a brewing. And, and so Vrabel has fired assistants before. He has not fired an offensive coordinator because the previous two guys got head coaching jobs. He, yeah. I don't think he's fired an offensive coaching uh, staff member. I think he's elevated a couple. Really, I think the only guys he's fired have been inside linebackers coach. And if Jim Haslett is out for whatever reason, this could be the third inside linebackers coach that Vrabel's having because uh, it was uh, Tyrone McKenzie earlier on. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people do think Todd Downing will be back, which is unfortunate. Uh, and so – I'm going to play the comments again from Mike Grable. That's the season that uh, Todd Downing had for you guys as offensive play caller. Um, I think Todd does a great job. I think he's a great. I think he's a great coach. I think he's a hard worker. You know, and um, you know there were there's always going to be calls you'd like to have back. There's plays you'd like to have back. Um, but but I don't evaluate things. Um, you know, I try to try to see how guys communicate with each other, the players. Um, are we all on the same page? Is there you know, good communication? Um, how do we do on third down? How are we doing in the red zone? And you know, things have to be better in all three phases each and every year. But um, you know, I, I I love the relationship that Todd has with the assistant coaches and the players, and you know, we'll all continue to improve. What, do, what about in terms of uh, the relationship with Ryan? Do you think that Ryan has suffered at all losing Arthur and going to Todd this year? Arthur coaches for the Falcons. Transition from Arthur to Todd, though. Do you feel like there's any diminishing effect at all? No. <laughs> I love Ar- that. Arthur coaches for the Falcons. I love that comment. Uh, it, but it's the way the delivery was what made it over yeah. the top there. But, yeah, Todd does a great job, says Cade. Shake my head. And, look, it, does, does Todd Downing have a great relationship with the players? Maybe. Does Todd Downing have a great work ethic? Probably. But that doesn't mean that you should get more chances if you show that you can't get the job done and you're holding this team back. There have been several examples that I've shown people watching our show over the last five months where I believe Todd Downing as a play caller has been holding this team back where 
you might have a great work ethic, but you only score 17 points on 18 opening drives and your situational play calling struggles. Uh, and that's being kind is the saying it struggles at times too. You can't afford to bring Todd Downing back. So Jack, you came up with this question this morning. Let's ask it now. What is the Titans ceiling with Todd Downing as offensive play caller? What is the Titans ceiling with Todd Downing as offensive play caller? Ooh, that's pretty tricky, right? Because just Todd Downing, and it's hard. It's really hard to gauge Downing off off one year. Although I, don't, I disagree. Although there were plenty of circumstances where he he could have, uh, you know, you, you know, he he really went wrong at crucial moments of, of games throughout the season. Yep. This was this was not a one game thing. This is just not based off the playoff game. This is throughout the season. He came up short in different different instances. Tons of just head scratching calls, whether it's predictable first down runs or you know running it on second down after picking up a couple and then you're in a third and how many second and 10 runs did we see how many times on first and 10 did the titans gain negative yards on a bad run play right yeah now execution is important in this but i i was watching i mentioned no flags film uh who's a great twitter account that you should follow who does titans film breakdown but he did a, a video about the rpo bubble to chester rogers and it's, it was he made he said a great line in there is that Todd Downing is putting Ryan Tannehill in a situation where he has to overcome yeah. a bad coaching decision. And, 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 and it, it reminded me, and everybody should remember this. Do you remember when Delaney Walker said that Titans the players need to overcome coaching? Yeah, and, and that got a lot of heat. That was back mm-hmm. when Malarkey was the head coach and Rubisky was the offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and that players were having to overcome coaching. In that play where Mike Hilton made the pick, and I, I'll play it again. I've got the video of it. Here is the here's the the, the fir- Jack. I don't know if you've seen this. The first time they ran the Chester Rogers RPO bubble, Mike Hilton almost made the play, but he started off by going at Tannehill with a nickel blitz, and the second time he went down the field vertical because he knew the bubble was coming. Here's the first time he ran it. As you'll see, here comes Hilton off the edge. He goes towards Tannehill, so Tannehill is able to get the ball outside of Mike Hilton and around him for a, a great three-yard completion. <laughs> and now here is the second time that was the interception. Watch Mike Hilton's change his angle on this. Mike Hilton coming off the same spot, as you see the same RPO, he goes directly down the field to tip it and make the great play. So now you're asking Ryan Tannehill to make a great throw to overcome Todd Downing's bad coaching, and that's not what a coach is supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be elevating your players and putting them in a good position to succeed, not making them overcome your bad decisions. And there are quarterbacks in the league who are capable of overcoming their coach's bad decisions. Ryan Tannehill is not one of those. There's yes. about six to eight of those guys in the league, in the world. Yes. And, and Tannehill does not fall in that category. You're going to have to set things up almost as perfectly as you can in order to get the most out of Tannehill, which a lot of people still hope is a Super Bowl. Now I get it. A lot of people uh, now doubt that that's the ceiling with Todd Downing. But when you ask me what the ceiling is, I I think it's an AFC championship game. Really? I do. And it's not just because of Downing, right? It's because – Tannehill as well because you well you but you that's and, more and, than what they've just well, done and looking around the league you you've got to play against guys you have to beat these guys to get there Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen now Joe Burrow enters the mix Justin Herbert didn't make the playoffs this year I bet I'll be in there next year 
And these are guys you're going to have to deal with for the next decade, right? And, and Lamar Jackson, didn't even mention Lamar Jackson, who's banged up a lot this year. I, I just don't see the Titans making a Super Bowl with Downing and Tannehill. Uh, you know, you can, you can argue about who's driving the car, who's riding shotgun. That duo is not good enough to get you to a Super Bowl. The Titans have figured it out. And everyone knew ahead of this season, Ryan Tannehill's probably going to regress. You know, they, they, he, he's not turned the ball all over hardly at all coming into this season. Had great touchdown interceptions ratios. Now, and even this year, finished top 10 in, in PFF grade and QBR, whatever. But he had 21 turnovers if you include Saturday exactly. night. Exactly. Whatever stats you want to make, dress Ryan Tannehill up, you can use. But the, we all knew that the truth lied somewhere in the middle between Miami and his first two years as a Titan. We saw that this year. The but turnover problems is, were a problem. But this was worse than his last couple of years in Miami. Yeah. Statistically. Yeah. So I want to read, bring up some comments a little bit um, here. Uh, so so uh, one person said, uh, why can't uh, or Ryan Tannehill see where Mike Hilton's going and tuck and run? That's not what the play is. Like there are, there are rules that you follow when you – Apollo, why not tuck and run after you see where Mike Hilton was? Shake my head. There are, like Tannehill is reading players, and he made the correct read – on Mike Hilton, when Mike, when the if the nickel is showing blitz and brings it, you you fake the bu- you fake the handoff and throw the bubble. That's what that play is meant to be. And so it was the correct read by Tannehill. It was just a better play by Mike Hilton to acknowledge and recognize what was about to happen and react and made the play. And that's because Todd Downing has run that specific play probably six or seven times this year. And the most oh, successful yeah. one gained nine yards. And that's uh, that's where a lot of the problems lies. He he kept going back to the well of these plays. They they just hadn't worked really throughout the whole season. Yeah, uh, not not one time really. And nine yards if that's the biggest bubble bubble screen game they had this season, then that that's a huge issue in itself. And that play needs to really just be thrown into the fire and burned. Yes, I, I agree. So back to the question. You you say the Titans ceiling with Todd Downing as offensive coordinator is the AFC championship game? And let's let's make sure the chat understands ceiling. If everything goes right, if all the bounces go the Titans' way, the ceiling is the AFC championship game. They just don't have the firepower on offense to compete with guys on the road, which they'll probably have to be next season. They they were gifted home field this, this year, blew it. The, to win on the road against Mahomes and Arrowhead, Josh Allen in Buffalo, it's here's, going to be a lot to ask. Here's him, my right? answer. We just saw the tight ceiling with Todd Downing as offensive coordinator. We, that, that's it. The divisional round. The divisional round because are you going to get home field advantage again? Unlikely. It, yes, it, because it, guess what? Somebody brought it up in the comments. Have you seen the, the opponents that the Titans play next year? Yeah, because first, first play schedule. When you, yeah, when you win your division, that's great. But now you got to play everybody else that won their division uh, in, your, in your upcoming schedule routine. Uh, the next season. So it's going to be tough. It's just going to get harder. And so the Titan ceiling with Todd Downing as play caller is right now, because if you cannot beat at home, the Cincinnati Bengals who now Joe Burrow has been sacked over 60 times this year because you sacked him nine times. I can't believe he's still walking and you lost because of your offensive out lack of offensive output. That's it. This is the best opportunity that you had. And the offensive coordinator cost you that game. And Ryan Tannehill's decisions also cost you that game. But those two guys go hand in hand. 
So yeah, that's it. This, no, the ceiling is is what we just saw. Yeah, it's a symbiotic relationship. One what one relies on the other in order for the unit to to succeed. And but my question is to all these guys in the chat is, have you totally given up on Ryan Tannehill? Because a lot of these guys were were, were wearing his were, were caping for Ryan Tannehill, saying, "Oh, he's a top ten quarterback." And that's what Titans fans have been saying for the last two years. Well, because. He was. Yeah, he, we we he did. That he yeah, was. we did shows in July and August where Tannehill was left outside the top ten, right? Because Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert, we thought were too early to be in the top ten. Well, guess what? Yeah, the season played out, and you know, Kyler Murray fell off, but Justin Herbert didn't make the playoffs. But Justin Herbert looks like he's on an upward trajectory, and Ryan Tannehill is definitely going the opposite direction. So, so, so my question for the chat is. Not only where do you think the ceiling is with Todd Downing, but do you think that Ryan Tannehill's ceiling is the same height? I think Ryan Tannehill has a higher ceiling than Todd Downing. I'd agree with you. But, I unf- and, and I I'd have agree. not I have not completely given up on Ryan Tannehill. I think Ryan Tannehill, look around the league. Jimmy Garoppolo's still alive this year. Uh, quarterbacks like Joe Flacco with the Ravens went on a tear to win a Super Bowl. Eli Manning's won a couple Super Bowls. I mean, there, there's bad – they're not bad quarterbacks, but – you know, Ryan Tannehill level quarterbacks. There's above-average quarterbacks who make it to, to yeah, you don't have to be elite to win a Super Bowl. And Jimmy Garoppolo is showing that now, well, although he did nothing to to get them there. Yeah. this weekend. Right. But um, did you see where uh, the 49ers under Jimmy Garoppolo are actually undefeated when he doesn't throw a touchdown in the playoffs? That's bizarre. They're three and zero when Jimmy Garoppolo throws zero touchdowns well, in a playoff game. The reason why the Niners are still still alive right now, Jimmy Garoppolo only turned it over one time. Ryan Tannehill had three picks. You turn it over three times, you're not winning the playoffs. Not in this league. Yeah. One time, you got a shot. Joe uh, Burrow threw one pick. Joe Still got the job. Done. Joe Dan says if Nick Foles can win, Tannehill can too. Well, look at the Nick offensive Foles, coordinator one. that the Eagles had. Uh, there was Frank Reich, and I think people understand that Frank Reich is a uh, good offensive play call. Hey, how about this? Um, Michael says, Austin, where can I get that shirt? Shop. Nashville.com. I'm just gonna type it right here in the chat for everybody. Shop. A to Z Sports Nash. I got to type and talk at the same time. Uh, so there you go. So you can get that shirt right there. It's a great shirt. It's one of my favorite shirts that I wear. But anyway, so uh, with with Ryan Tannehill, he can. He just can't. He's not a good enough player to overcome bad coaching, and no. that's what that's. And so when I love the follow up question from Joe Rexrode, asking, "Do you think Ryan Tannehill was negatively affected by the offensive coordinator change?" I say yes, because Arthur Smith was doing so many things that made Ryan Tannehill better, and I didn't see those things from Todd Downing. We didn't see as much. Do you remember when Do you remember when it felt like almost every game the Titans played under Arthur, Arthur Smith, the first play of the game was a play-action boot, and Tannehill either hit Jonu Smith for 15 yards yeah. or he ran for a first down? Ran, yeah. When did we ever see that this year? How many times did Tannehill have that boot where he either – he hit he hit Julio in the playoff game on that on that type of play. That's how they got their first down their, their first first down against the Bengals, but not enough. We didn't see the Titans move the pocket and utilize play action under Downing like they did under, under Arthur Smith, and I think that hurts Ryan Tannehill. I'm not totally defending Todd Downing here, but earlier in the season, the offensive line was performing so poorly – that you may sure. not have had time to run play action. Tannehill's life was in jeopardy yes. running play action back there. And then late in the season, it's kind of hard to run play action with running backs that have been plucked off practice squads, Texans practice squad, been waived by the Texans, whatever it may be. Um, it, you, there's just not enough 
there's not the same amount of respect as there would be if Derrick Henry was back there. Faking handoffs to Derrick Henry is a little bit different than, you know, Deontay Foreman. Now, Foreman had a great game. I'm not going to knock Foreman. What a great find he was this year for the Titans. But that's Yeah, well, I mean, he was around last year, too, for a stint and showed yeah. some good things, no doubt. And, and then left and then came back. It's it's not as easy as just Todd Downing and Ryan Tannehill just aren't good enough, right? It's not that easy. Now, Todd Downing may not be. I still believe that Ryan Tannehill can get them there. But with Todd Downing, and you're right, and I said it earlier in the show, Ryan Tannehill is good enough to get by with a good offensive coordinator, with one that's smart, that knows what Tannehill does well, that's not going to put Tannehill in a bad, you know, in a bad spot, like Downing did a lot this year. Tannehill needs everything to go right in order to become a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. Right. And unfortunately, Todd Downing, Todd Downing can't, can't, Todd Downing's holding him back. Todd Downing cannot be that. So, and, but what do they do? You know, what, that, they, that's they a whole need, other they, Do you go get a new offensive coordinator? And thank you, Jarrell Chavers, who watches our show every day, who earlier in the show said that uh, I my point that I've been on for this whole season is that it was going to catch up to the Titans at one point, that when you hire a defensive-minded head coach, at some point, point you will be stuck in this spot. Because I think the two most important things for, all, for, for NFL success is quarterback and play caller. The marriage between those two, quarterback and play caller, is so important. Look at, look at who is in the AFC Championship game. Name the teams. Well, you got the Niners. The Niners, Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan, offensive genius that he's been coined at, and Jimmy Garoppolo. They've been together for a lot of years. Sean McVay, Matt Stafford. It's coming together very quickly. Then in the AFC, Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, offensive guy and quarterback. And then then obviously Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. It's offensive play caller and quarterback. And it's that relationship that's important. And so when you hire a defensive-minded head coach, you're either going to have your offensive coordinator perform well and, and get, get stolen as a head coach, or he's not going to perform well and you got to find somebody else who can. And so it's a constant rotating door. And so that role, that marriage is not being able to be built and, and matured and massaged into a productive, efficient Super Bowl caliber <laughs> marriage. And then two of, Rabel's offensive coordinator hires are coaching in the NFL. And, 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 and my whole point of saying this, I think Mike Vrabel is the NFL head coach of the year. There's no doubt about it. It's a regular season award. It's just dealing with turnovers. Yes, be regular. It's just that turnover will always bite you in the rear end. And you've got to figure out how to avoid that. And you've got to have a strong enough system to be able to overcome that when the bad year happens. And we're, we're, the, we're seeing now that you can't just go out and find Arthur Smith. You can't just go out and find, these you know offensive coordinators that will have such a good season, maybe two seasons, that they get hired right away. That there's not enough of those guys out there, and the Titans are finding that out. In Todd Downing, he's not going to be a guy that gets hired for a head coaching job, right? You know, and, and and when you do have those guys, you have them for what? Lafleur was one season, Arthur Smith was two seasons. I mean, they're not going to last long, and that's hard yes. because you want to you you want to create a, an offense with sustainability and continuity and all of these things that that just with a defensive head coach, you have to worry about your, your, your best coordinators getting hired away every offseason. And unfortunately for the Titans, as long as Mike Vrabel's the head coach, they're going to be dealing with those problems 
anytime the offense has a great season. Yeah, uh, CW says Austin is delusional. It's the quarterback quarterbacks along with San Francisco's defense. The head coaches are just along for the ride. What? You're saying Kyle Shanahan's along for the ride? Look, Kyle Shanahan has been a great head coach and, and a good offensive coordinator. San Francisco's been through the ringer when it comes to just drastic injuries and situations, and they're trying to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, so they drafted a guy in the top five. Um, so another comment that I wanted to see uh, from Jarrell, who says it's going to be interesting to see what the Bills do when they lose their OC, That's a good point. Brian Dayball, because you would think Brian Dayball can get a head coaching job somewhere else, and Sean McDermott, defensive guy, what happens when when he does get that head coaching he's job? He's going to be on to his Todd Downing. You know, he's he's just he's gonna well. Is he going to is he going to find Arthur Smith or is he going to find Todd Downing? And is he going to elevate from within or go somewhere I'll else? I'll tell you what would be really upsetting if. Sean McDermott was able to find this next level offensive coordinator that then turns into a head coach, and the same guy's been sitting out there for Vrabel, and he can't find him. Yes, because he's sticking to, to Todd Downing. Right, I mean that's essentially you're you're selling your soul to Todd Downing, and and you're going as far as he'll take you. Now we've seen where oh, one, one more comment. Ramon okay. says Bill Belichick defense Patriots six rings. Josh McDaniels has been there yeah, for and, eternity, and they also had Tom Brady. Like, come on, like that's. That is the outlier. Like, you cannot use the outlier. You have to use the, like, what I'm saying here, the four teams that are still left playing have offensive-minded play-calling head coach and quarterback who's been able to build that relationship. The newest one is just McVay and Stafford. And McVay showed us that he could get Jared Goff's average ass to the Super Bowl. And then now they bring in an actual talent at quarterback, and Matt Stafford has him right there in the hosting the championship game. So here's what here's what the Titans are going to have to do this offseason. Yes, they got to bring in somebody a veteran. I don't think I don't think going to the draft and finding a, a quarterback in what's really considered to be one of the weakest quarterback drafts in recent memory. I don't think that's the answer. You got to go find a veteran. Maybe it's Gardner Minshew. Maybe it's a Colt McCoy type of guy. Maybe it's a Mitch Trubisky type to come in and not challenge for the starting uh, job. I think that's a waste of money and a waste of time. Uh, I don't think it's a whole I, I lot of money. A, that I you think it's a waste. I think it's table. a waste of time. I, I think it's it, you got to you need to draft somebody. Because this was the offseason to draft somebody anyway because of Ryan Tannehill's contract. Now you're drafting somebody. I don't know what round. I'm well, not yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. And we got a long time to talk about first round. I'm not saying you're yeah, drafting Yeah, we don't have to talk draft now. But at the same time, you, you're trying to find a guy that, that's going to do what in the draft? I mean, you're going to wait till the fourth round to draft a quarterback that's probably not ever going to see the field in the NFL. I, I get it. It's, it's worth a spin of the, the roulette wheel. But, like, in – it's just it doesn't make sense we're to me. Going to, go to get draft. Gardner Minshew is not going to solve anything. It's no, gonna keep, you're going to keep no. spinning your wheels. Yeah. Gardner Minshew not going to sign him to a long term. Gardner Minshew's not going to push Ryan Tannehill. No, like this is the offseason. Well, Logan Woodside sure as hell isn't. You right. got to do something better than that. And and that's but you not draft somebody. You draft somebody before the sixth round because John Robinson's drafted guys in the sixth Cole round McDonald. or later, and they have been so bad. Yeah, Cole McDonald. And so you draft somebody who actually has a shot to make the roster. And you've got to use that guy to see if he can groom and sit for a year and then see what happens. Because Ryan Tannehill's got two years left in his contract and one year where before they can really get out of it. And so you draft somebody this offseason and you have them play behind Tannehill. And then now you can make the decision whether you want to Alex Smith them or not. Yeah, I just I, I think that. Tannehill might have gotten a little too comfortable, a little too complacent this season. You thought the weapons that. would save him, and they didn't. I don't. But think that's so. not that's not the only thing that needs to happen. 
what did the Titans do? What did John Robinson and Mike Vrabel do last season after Shane Bowen and the defense struggled? That was a completely different situation. I know it was, but I'm saying you can bring in a guy. There's guys out there that you can bring in, not as offensive coordinators, but maybe it's just you know an overseer of operations on the offense, like Jim Schwartz was for Todd Downing. No, we, no, we have no idea what Jim Schwartz did I'm just saying though. maybe it's worth bringing in another brain. Maybe it's worth I, another I, brain yes, in the room. Yes, and then move Todd Downing's brain away. Like Just bring well, in a new brain for the play caller that's had success doing it. Uh, you got to bring somebody in. You got to bring some type of new blood in that room because the blood that's in there right now is, Ryan, is old and spoiled. Ryan just says consultant in all caps. Bring <laughs> in the consultant. We need a consultant for the Titans. The Bill offensive O'Brien player. of Alabama football. Oh. Where is that guy? Yeah, well, he's the offensive coordinator. Yeah. He's not even the consultant. Can you get somebody to be the consultant for the offensive coordinator? If you need a consultant for your offensive Easier coordinator, said than done to find one of those. The, guys. the problem is Shane Bowen wasn't even the guy last year. He just called the plays on Sundays. Shane Bowen wasn't the wasn't the defensive coordinator throughout the week at practice. That was the problem there. Todd Downing wasn't a position coach like Shane Bowen was two years ago. Todd Downing was the guy. It was his job. He went through the entire process of being the play caller and the coordinator, and it didn't go very well. So you got to move on. And people are saying yeah. Tim Kelly. And I think there's a lot of you Tim know, Kelly's the hot name right now. Yeah, there's a lot of people that Tim that like Tim Kelly. I don't know much about Tim Kelly other than the fact that it. Looked pretty good when they had weapons until Bill O'Brien ruined it all. Yeah, and this brings me back to my original point. I don't believe that Rabel is willing to let go of his hire one season in with all the injuries that occurred and all the obstacles and everything they had they had to clear to but even make it as far as they did. The, the, the Super Bowl window is right now. Tannehill's got two hands on that window trying to slam it shut. Well, right no, now. Todd Downing's helping him too. But yeah. again, like the Super Bowl window is now, and does Mike Rabel think Todd Downing can maximize this, or is he or is he holding it back? And the answer to that question will determine whether he's back or but not. The, but the other question you have to consider is, is it worth starting over again? Is, is it worth losing all progress that you made? And I get it. There's some issues that, that Downing had. No, there's no doubt about that. Downing and Tannehill were not a perfect marriage. But do you let them try and grow into that? Or do you do you shake it up again and bring in a new guy, the third offensive coordinator, what, three years that, that would be? Uh, that that doesn't seem exactly like you know a perfect answer either. Mm-hmm. So you got to consider that the turnover, the the, the 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 sustainability, the continuity, it's all gone once you once you throw Downing back up to the wolves. All right, A to Z Sports here live from the Bone and Joint Institute in Franklin. Let's move on to this next conversation. Uh, I, I saw this from Emily Proud. Uh, only one offensive player spoke on locker room cleanout day. I have some thoughts on that, but real quick, let me tell you guys about Farm Bureau health plans and fbhp.com slash A to Z. It's our brand new uh, relationship that we've started at the beginning of the year, and so far, so good. Farm Bureau Health Plans, a great brand in the in the state of Tennessee. Also, they can help you out with your health coverage. They can do things for you that maybe you didn't think was possible. You don't have to just go to the marketplace or .gov to find your health coverage. There are other options, other viable options for you for whatever your situation might be. If you're young and you're just coming off of your parents' coverage, you can go there. If you're single, if you're an entrepreneur, if you own your own business, Farm Bureau Health Plans can help you out, and it's an easy process. Zach's going through it right now, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. Again, check them out, a plan for you, at fbhp.com slash A-T-O-Z. You want to be able to uh, maybe put a little more money in your pocket to afford that health insurance. All you got to do is download the BetMGM Sportsbook app. New users use promo code A to Z200, A T O Z200, and a $10 money line wager 
will win you $200 tonight when either NBA team hits a three-pointer. All you got to do is bet $10 on, on one game, one team's money line. And as long as one three-pointer is made in that matchup, you'll turn that $10 into $200, no matter if, if your original $10 bet wins or loses. So it's easy. Download the BetMGM app, use promo code A to Z200, place a $10 money line wager on any NBA team in action tonight. And if one single three-pointer is made during that game, you'll turn that $10 into $200. They're handing you free money. But you can only take it if you plug in that promo code A to Z200 on the BetMGM Sportsbook app. Yeah, and uh, Jamie asked you a question, I'm guessing, about Farm Bureau Health Plans. Is that just in the national area? No, that's statewide. They've got over 200 locations across the state of Tennessee. So you can go check out Farm Bureau Health Plans at a, a location near you. Or again, Jamie, fbhp.com slash A-T-O-Z uh, to get started there. So um, here's, my, here's my thought. So, like I said, A.J. Brown was the only offensive player to speak to the media on locker room cleanout day. Six defensive guys came out to speak. Jeffrey Simmons, Bud Dupree, Kevin Byer, Christian Fulton, Amani Hooker, David Long Jr. All six of those guys had fantastic years. It's, and they had good games, great games from a lot of them on Saturday against uh, the Bengals. Also, all these six guys have leadership roles on this defense. A.J. Brown consistently shows up to talk to the media, shows up on the field, shows up on third and long, shows up when the Titans need a, score, a touchdown to tie the damn game, and A.J. Brown shows up on locker room cleanout day. And no other offensive player talks to the media. Is this a big deal, small deal, or no deal? A big deal Small deal or no deal? I'm going to go to the comment section, but tell me how you think about it. This is a big deal. This is a big damn deal. The defense should not be sending six guys while the offense is just sending A.J. Brown to do their bidding. It should be reversed. The offense has all the explaining to do. They've got to take some accountability here. Show up and explain yourselves on locker room cleanout day. A.J. Brown shouldn't have to speak for everybody. A.J. Brown, who is really... I mean, Julio Jones had a solid game as well, but A.J. Brown produced in that playoff game. He's one guy you can't put this loss on. And those six guys on the defense that spoke, none of them had to. They, their play spoke for them on Saturday. Nine sacks. They held Joe Burrow to, what, 19 points, uh, only w- one touchdown allowed. Six points off turnovers, right? They, 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 didn't, they didn't all Joe Burrow throw a touchdown pass. Those six guys, they didn't need to speak on defense. They, they Their play spoke enough for them. The offense... They needed to take some accountability on a veteran team with veteran leadership, a team that's been to the playoffs before, that has leaders uh, all over the offense. There's there's tons of vets on that offense. And A.J. Brown is the only speaker? That's a huge deal. That shows to me that this offense is kind of uh, kind of running and hiding from their pathetic performance that they put out on Saturday. Now, right, so just for uh, clarity, Ryan Tannehill did speak right after the game, like the quarterback does every time, as did Derrick Henry as did Lawan, I believe Saffold did as well. Uh, so there were a lot of offensive guys who spoke directly after the game, but I don't care because I agree with you. I agree with a lot of you guys too. It's a big deal. This shows that maybe there is a lack of leadership in this Titans offensive group, and I think it starts with Ryan Tannehill because you know what the difference in Saturday night and Monday is, Jack? It's an uh, – it's the same thing for Mike Vrabel is post-game press conference and Monday press conferences. You have both of them for a reason because post-game press conference is for immediate questions about decisions the coach made. 
Monday press conference, now the coach had a chance to go watch the film. Ryan Tannehill had a chance to go watch the film. So Ryan Tannehill can answer the questions better about his play on Monday than on Saturday directly after the game. So this is important. And I remember this 2019 after the AFC Championship game, locker room cleanout day. I would, this is back when we were allowed to be in the locker room, which I bet we'd never go back in again. But Ryan Tannehill was in there. He had his trash bag full of his stuff, like every player does. And guys, reporters trying to go up and talk to him. And he said, guys, not today. It's not going to happen. And he walks out. That was before he signed a four-year, $100-plus million contract. That's before he was named He's this, guy's, his franchise, this team's franchise player to take them to where they need to go. And it's before he's lost two consecutive playoff games by throwing interceptions to end it. He's making too much money to run away and hide from the media. You, you make all that money, you're, they're allowed to ask you tough questions about the football game. And, and about your season. It's season wrap-up. Like, come on. You're right, you're right about the, the post-game presser and the Monday locker room clean-up presser being different. The, you know, the one after the game, there's a lot of emotions. And I get it if you don't want to really open up and you're still upset about the game, whatever. you gotta, you 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 kind of got to get over that by Monday and be able to at least talk about what went wrong. Maybe take some accountability. Maybe take some blame. If Ryan Tannehill shows up and says, you know what? I made a couple throws that I shouldn't have made. You know, that game didn't play out the way that I thought it would. I, you know, prepped all week. And, you know, you get out there and some things just don't change. Mike Hilton makes a great play. And, and boom, you're done. That's okay. Titans fans can begin the process to forgive if they want to forgive. Whatever. But, he, he didn't show up. He didn't do that. So now what do Titans fans do? That only enrages them more. And I don't blame them. That, that, that fans the fire. Tannehill, as a leader of this football team, of this offense, the offense is going to be taking so much criticism for the next few months. Yeah. Tannehill's got to step up there and say, you know what, guys? Th- that one's on me. Three picks. It's unacceptable. We keep the ball. We don't turn it over. And we win that football game. Right. Tannehill didn't say any of that. So now everyone's going to be more mad. As yeah. Steel Titan on YouTube says plenty of high profile players don't talk on locker room clean out there. Y'all are overacting. Look, Steel Titan, I've, I've been at uh, probably seven Titans locker room clean out days. This is my ninth season covering the team, and I haven't been covering them as tightly as I was the first seven years. Yeah, I've been to seven locker room clean out days. I know that. I know the tendency of that. And it's easier for reporters to get more guys when you actually go in the locker room and they're there. A lot of guys dip out quick to avoid this. But I think there's a different level of accountability in leadership to show that, yeah, you know what? This is going to suck, but I got to do this. I need to talk for five minutes. And and, and a lot my most memorable locker room clean-out day moments are, are Wesley Woodyard talking about Dean Pease retiring. Or A.J. Brown, after his rookie year, saying that he wanted to go for 1,500-plus and 15 touchdowns in year two. That was his goal because he can do more after a rookie year. Corey Davis talked all the time on locker room clean-out days. And that guy hated talking to the media. But he was, he was there. Yeah. And so, like, there, there's – it's a different le- – and all those guys yesterday, A.J. Brown, the only offensive player, Jeffrey Simmons, Bud Dupree, Kevin Byer, Christian Fulton, Monty Hooker, David Long, Jr., and a couple of those defensive guys went to bat for Harold Landry to go out and say, this guy needs to be back. I don't doubt Harold Landry for not talking because his contract's expired. Ben Jones shouldn't talk because his contract's expired. He's not going to answer any questions about that, which I get that. That makes sense. But Ryan Tannehill, he's under contract. You got you to talk to somebody. Julio Jones, I think he needs to go talk to somebody. This is the, this is the problem that... 
is oh now we just see you All right, now we're back in there. So sorry about that. Uh, sometimes the phone just goes like that, for whatever reason. Technology just sucks sometimes. But again, you know, you've got to be able. It's a, I think it's a big deal uh, to 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 dip out on locker room cleanup day when the offense is the reason the Titans are not in the AFC championship. Back to what I was saying. Yes, there are a few quarterbacks in this league, and most of them have Super Bowl rings, who are comfortable being uncomfortable in uncomfortable situations. These guys are familiar with them, right? They can, they can overcome the adversity needed to to get to where they've got to go. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill is not comfortable being uncomfortable. When he's uncomfortable, he kind of shuts down and goes away. And that's not just what we saw in the locker room on Monday or didn't see in the locker room on Monday. But kind of, we, we, we see that at different points when the Titans lose throughout the season. Ryan Tannehill, in situations that aren't perfect, comes up short. He's got to have it all laid out for him. The roadmap has to be in play. You know, he's got to follow a specific – you know, not a specific game plan. Recipe kind of thing. There's a recipe that has to go along with Ryan Tannehill's success. And a lot of things have to go right for Tannehill to be great. That's why we don't see him throw for 300 yards hardly ever. Yeah, no That's doubt. why he's not throwing three touchdowns a game. It's, it's, I, it, he's not comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Brady's comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Now, I don't want to compare Tannehill to Brady. I don't no, think that's exactly that. fair. But, I mean, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. I mean, these are younger guys who have less experience than Tannehill that seem to be comfortable in just shaky situations. I just saw this comment. I thought about. I hadn't thought about this. Butchie says the Bengals get to the Titans' home field and then sent the Titans home. The Bengals beat the Chiefs in the second to last week of the season to allow the Titans to just have to beat the Texans to win the the one seed. I, I, I hadn't thought about that until Zach I just saw Taylor it. is a prophet. Yeah, maybe Zach so. Taylor's prophet. Like, yeah, the, Zach Taylor's like all we gotta do <laughs> is we gotta beat the Bengals or beat the Chiefs, then lose to the Browns so we can get the Titans in the second week and beat them, right? Yeah, right, because they got to go on the road to Arrowhead anyway. Yes. This week, so. Yeah, exactly. All right, A to Z Sports here live on this Tuesday. Jack, let's go ahead and team back together and try to be successful in sports trivia because I told – I tasked Jack with finding the trivia quiz for today, and here's what Jack sent me. Quote, the hardest NFL quiz of all time. So we'll see if it is – in fact, the hardest NFL quiz of all time. But real quick, let me tell you guys about Renters Warehouse and Renters Warehouse Nashville. They are the professional landlords in the area. Simply go to renterswarehouse.com to find out how much your home can rent for. There's a bunch of different ways you can use Renters Warehouse to your benefit, uh, creating extra cash flow for your family, getting that long-term equity through long-term wealth of owning rent estate, and also getting your retirement plan ready at renterswarehouse.com. They do all the work. Simply head to renterswarehouse.com. The king of sportsbooks, that's BetMGM that I'm referring to. New users, you can use code A to Z200, A-T-O-Z-200, place a $10 money line wager on any NBA team in action tonight, and if one three-pointer is made in that game, you'll turn that $10 into $200. Remember, use that code, new users, A to Z200, place a $10 money line wager on any NBA team in action tonight. Win or lose, that $10 turns to $200 as long as one three-pointer is made in that matchup. So don't forget to plug that code in. I'll say it one more time. A to Z 200 
on the BetMGM Sportsbook app. Yep, visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 or older, Tennessee only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-refundable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days. And for problem games, import call the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. It is that time for Tuesday Sports Trivia. Ten questions from Jack's the hardest NFL quiz okay. of all time. I know what you're thinking, guys. Jack set us up for failure. Today. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, think. <laughs> I, I saw a few of those questions. We're going to be able to get a few right, guys. Yes. I, I promise. Ed says, uh, Ed says, check the YouTube answers, too. Ed, all of our comments are in <laughs> one feed from both Facebook, YouTube, and also Twitch. We see you. So we do, we do, uh, we do see you guys. All right. In 29, question number one. So in 2019, and you're going to have to have your eyes on the comments while I'm a okay. question master today. In 2019, Lamar Jackson became the second player in NFL history to be named as unanimous MVP. Who was the first? So who was the first unanimous MVP in the NFL? Multiple choice. Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Marshall Falk. First unanimous MVP, Rodgers, Manning, Brady, Falk. Yes, those are the options. Okay, I'm seeing some Brady's come in early. We've got Brady, Tom Brady from Ooh, Ronnie. Noah says Tom Brady in 2010, lock it in. Okay, man and year from Noah. I like that. All yeah. right, so it, by the way, since, Tom Brady, you, are, lock since it in. you are playing my typical role, you have to lock in the answer. A to Z, lock fin- it in. Final A to Z. Final A to Z. Yeah, final A to Z. Okay. So, do we want Brady. to go with Tom Brady? Rodgers, Rodgers, Tim Brady. Is Tim Brady an option? Looking for Tim Brady. I don't see him. <laughs> Tom Brady's up there. Tom Brady, 2010. Okay. I, I think it's – Are we doing that? I think it's Tom Brady in 2010. Let's punch it in. A to Z, final answer. Final, final A, a to Z. Z. There you go. Tom Brady is like, hey, we got it correct. So, this is a immediate, immediate response. All right. Okay. So, we're wanting to know. Next question here. We're going to do 10 of these, right? 10, yes. In 2000 – who became the first team to make four first-round draft picks in the same NFL draft? So in 2000, who became the first team to make four first-round draft picks in the same draft? The Cleveland Browns, the New York Jets, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or the Washington Field General Redhawks? <laughs> four first-round picks in 2000. Four first-round picks in 2000. No Googling. Don't no Google. Googling. Don't Google, guys. So I, I, my first thought was the Browns. The Browns of two thousand was that the Butch Davis Browns? Yeah, it had to have been because this this was not the Tim Couch draft. Here's some. Here's a Washington. I think it's the Browns. Jets. They got Chad Pennington this year. Says Noah. Well, Noah was one for one. Noah is one for one. Kind of on it. So do we do Jets? Mark Dalton says Browns. 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 Jets. Browns. A lot of Browns. I mean, Noah's like lock it in for the Jets. And there's a Blue lot Panthers, of Jets. Jets. Ooh, this is pretty split. Not Jets the Browns. and Browns. Because the Browns probably would have been earlier because they needed more picks. Was that the uh, – no, when was – DeBrickashaw was after that. No, DeBrickashaw was like 2008. Yeah. 2007. 2000, yeah, I was four. So you, I'm going to need You're to You're four? God. I was four in the year 2000. A lot of Jets comments. All right. Let's just go – let's go – you want to lock in the Jets? Let's – final A to Z, New York Jets. All right, here we go. Jets are the correct answer. Okay. All right. Next question. Next question. Ooh, Jamarcus Russell went first overall in twenty-seven in the two thousand seven NFL draft. Who was picked second? Who was picked second in 07 
after Jamarcus Russell? Was it? I think I know it. Was it Calvin Johnson, Joe Thomas, Reggie Bush, or Adrian Peterson? Who went after Jamarcus Russell in 07? It was not Reggie Bush because he went second after Mario Williams in 06. It was not Joe Thomas because he was a first overall pick. And it was not Adrian Peterson because I believe he went fourth or fifth. So I think it's Calvin Johnson. You're thinking it's Calvin. I know for a fact Calvin Johnson was the second overall pick. The chat, would, is, we're seeing some Calvin Johnsons coming in. And it would only make sense that the Raiders finally pass on a wide receiver <laughs> who was great and took a quarterback who sucked. So I think it's Calvin Johnson. All right. Let's go Calvin Johnson then. Final A to Z. See what it says. We are correct with Calvin Johnson. Three for we are three in the NFL. Three and oh. We're kicking this thing's ass so far. Three for three. I told you guys. It's not the hardest. This, this is easy. Which year did the Houston Texans play their first season in the NFL? 2000, 2001, 2002, or 2003? Which, okay. Which season did the Texans come into the league? Which season did the Texans play their first season? 2001? Or 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003. It's 02, right? It is 02. Okay, we know it's 02. Final A to Z, 2002. Bingo, got it. All yep. right. Everybody, everybody's on 02. Yep. I'm not seeing anything besides 02. Good job, guys. Good job, Cap. Four for four. All right. All righty. Uh, who won the Super Bowl MVP when the Pittsburgh Steelers won in 2009? Ben Roethlisberger, Heinz Ward, Heath Miller, Santonio Holmes. Oh, nine. This Santonio is, Holmes had the catch in 09. Is this the first Steelers Super Bowl or the second? The first Steelers Super Bowl was had to be the second. was was Heinz Ward. I think it's I think that was the second. And that was the year where Santonio Holmes had the catch in the corner. This the was zone. the one against the Cardinals, yes. right? Yeah. Kurt Warner and the Cardinals after Kurt Warner was in NFL Europe come, comes back, takes the team to the Super Bowl. That was also the same year. The, the Titans had a bot, was it not? That was yeah. 08 going into yeah, 09. It was my freshman year of college. Billy, uh, not so, Billy Santonio Ward. Holmes. I mean, Kerry Collins. I think Santonio Holmes in that t- final touchdown catch got him, secured the MVP. All right, we doing it? Let's go. Let's go, Santonio Holmes. A lot of Santonio Holmes in the chat. Let's go final A to Z, Santonio Holmes. Boom. Got it right again. So right. Is, this, is this four or five? I think that's five for five. Five for five? All right. Has there been a perfect score on trivia before? Uh, yeah. Oh. We went uh, one point went uh, thirty consecutive. Really? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that was okay. like a few weeks ago. Which team won the first ever Super Bowl in nineteen sixty-seven? No, the Packers. Packers, yeah, Packers. Packers Correct. won six and zero. Oh. Man, this is actually a lot easier than what I remember. Well, here we go. Okay, uh, in nineteen seventy-three, Fred Dreyer became the first player to score two safeties in one game. Which team was he on when this happened? Fred Dreyer, guys. Who did Fred Dreyer play for in 1973? The Atlanta Falcons, the LA Rams, Minnesota Vikings, or San Francisco 49ers? Fred Dreyer, two safeties in a game from him. That two safeties in a game from Fred impressive. Dreyer. Mean Fred Dreyer. Mean Fred Dreyer. G-Man says Rams. A lot of Rams. Lot. LA Rams. Yeah, I don't think I, LA well, well, no, they yeah, weren't. They yeah, were the LA Rams. LA Rams, yeah. yeah. LA Rams the first time. LA Rams, Big Fred. Okay, I mean, yeah. People know who Rams. Fred Dreyer is. I people know people know that Fred Dreyer played for the Rams. Let's That's check good. Final A to Z. Bang, done. Fred Dreyer. Good job, team. Okay, next question here. This is question number eight. This is, this will be seven. This is seven. Right? Yes. Seven. 
in 2013, which quarterback broke a record after throwing a pick six in four straight games? <laughs> okay, four pick sixes. Or no, 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 a pick six in four straight. Yes. You, All right, read I, us the I, answers. I, 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 think, know, I know this. Read us the answers. You, do, I want to see if people know this without me reading the answer. Which quarterback? Apparently Fred Dreyer's an actor. I suck at actors, so that's probably why. Um, yeah. Tannehill says Orlando. Oh, come on, Orlando. The answer, people have guessed it without me reading the answers. So that's what I wanted to know. Yeah. Jameis Winston was in college winning a national championship that year. It's the Remember, in Houston, there was a restaurant that came out with a sandwich, and it was called the Shaw Pick 6 Special. Yes. And you don't get a sandwich named after you called the Pick 6 Special unless you set a record for throwing yeah, pick six. The, the answers are funny. Matt Schaub, Eli Manning, your boy Jay Cutler, and John Kitten. Oh, who but said the, Cutler? Uh, the answer is Matt Schaub. We got that correct. That's question number seven, right? That would be seven for seven, I, I do I do believe. All right. Ooh, who finished their career with more rushing yards? Eric Dickerson or Marshall Falk? Eric Dickerson ran for 2,000. Marshall Falk... Marshall Falk caught a bunch of passes, right? He was a, he was a receiving threat out of the backfield as well. I'm going Eric Dickerson here, but I want to see what the chat has to say. Rushing yards only. Rushing yards for a career. Career rushing yards. Eric Dickerson or Marshall Falk? Who do we think? Dickerson, lock it in. Dickerson, Dickerson. This guy says Priest Holmes. Not a not an option. <laughs> um, Ed. I think it's I think it's Dickerson because Falk was such a receiving threat that that pulled away from his. And you got to think of the teams that he played on. The teams that Marshall Falk played on threw the ball a lot. Greatest show on turf. Yeah, Eric Dickerson was running. So we're going to Eric Dickerson. I think yeah. I think if the era plays to Eric Dickerson, I think the you know the, the structure of the teams played Eric Dickerson. The, the chats going Dickerson. Let's, but Dickerson's career is short in B sets. Final. Uh, would Dickerson also have two thousand yard season? Final A to Z. Let's go, Eric Dickerson. We got it right. Okay. I was I was nervous about that one. <laughs> I was a little nervous. All right. This is question number nine. This is actually this is ten. So this oh, is 10. okay. So wait, what's yeah, okay. In twenty in two thousand seven, this is to cap it off for all of you guys. Two thousand seven, which kicker broke a record for the most field goals in a single game with eight. Eight field goals in one game in 07. Who made eight field goals in one game in two thousand seven? And Ty Kendrick is like breaking news, the Titans linebacker coach was fired. Yes, we know Jim Hazlitt was fired. Yes. Or let go, or whatever the case is. We talked about that well, earlier. Are you gonna read us the options? I was just going to go uh, see if people could do it like Matt Schaub. Oh, here we go. Here's some answers. Rob Baronis against the Texans. No one knows his stuff. No alert. We got Baronis versus the Texans, says Bobby Dingman, RB. Rob Baronis. Did Rob do it? Man, there are, Anderson? There are, there are, Anderson, there are two Titans kickers on this list. Janikowski, Adam, Adam, Vinatieri. Adam Vinatieri, Nate Kading, Rob Baronis, Steven Guskowski. Guskowski's up there. Okay. <laughs> Rob Baronis, final letter Z, right? Rob Barona's final final A to Z. He holds the record. We are correct. All yeah. right. Well, we just ten for ten. What, what what's that? What's the title of that trivia called again? The hardest NFL quiz of all time. Okay. If that's the, if that's the best they got, guys, I'm feeling pretty good about the chat's knowledge. Yeah, that was pretty easy. Kick that thing's ass. All right, guys, we are out of here. Great show on this Tuesday. Appreciate it for uh, for more potential Titans news and updates. Always check out A to Z Sports. Uh, dot com slash Nashville. Jack Gentry and Austin Huff will be on with the Titan Up podcast on the A to Z Sports podcast feed tomorrow. You guys ready? Got anything planned? We're is, working on it Huff today. Cry? We, oh, he's upset. He's very upset. It's going to be two sad boys, but we're going to have a guest. 
We're gonna we're gonna make it fun. Everybody's already had the depressing talk. Nobody wants to hear, you know, the doomsday stuff anymore. So we're gonna try and you know bring a little lighter side to the podcast this week because we know everybody might need it. Yes, the easiest, hardest NFL quiz of all time. <laughs> I agree. And Dion says, "What's all this talk about final A to Z stuff?" That's how we lock in the questions answered, Dion. There's no end to A to Z. We're just getting bigger. All right, guys. We'll see you tomorrow morning on a Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Buck rising again tonight. A to Z Sports Primetime. Appreciate it. See you later.